Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Today's Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of the life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I have to admit, looking at Ephesians 4 this week, I was pretty challenged by Paul's writing. And you might think, you know what, that's great. We're meant to be challenged by the Word of God, but maybe not in the way that you would be thinking. You see, Paul starts off this letter in a really abrupt kind of way. Let's have a look at it. He says, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now, that's really challenging stuff. That is strong and uncomfortable words. And the reason that it challenged me and made me feel uncomfortable is because that's not how we speak to people. You know, that reminds me of a Facebook argument. You know, in face-to-face, everyone's cordial and they're happy to talk to each other. But the reality is when you're on Facebook, people are keyboard warriors and they bring out a different side of themselves. And I feel like this is what Paul's doing. He's bringing out a different side of himself and he's being very, very harsh. And in today's world and society, we're told, don't be that harsh. Don't talk to people like that. When was the last time you walked up to someone and said, you have lustful desires? It's just not the language that we use, but it's exactly what Paul is saying in this text. And you know what? That's uncomfortable. That's kind of weird and it's backwards for our society. And hey, Paul's meant to be the guy that's going out and preaching to the Gentiles. He's meant to be the guy that's going and reaching them. He, he's an evangelist. He's trying to win them over. And now he's saying such harsh things about them. 
It's important to understand when reading this text that Paul is not racially slurring the Gentiles. That is not what he's trying to communicate here. He's talking to a very young set of Christians in the church in Ephesus, and all he's doing is drawing a contrast to the Gentiles and showing that's how the Christians used to live but shouldn't be living anymore. In fact, he's been doing it all the way through Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, he talked about how we were dead and now alive. He talked about how before we met Jesus, we had disunity and fighting, but now we're unified in Jesus Christ. And also that we have now new gifts that we can exercise as Christians. So he's actually following the same platform he's been using the whole way through in saying, this is how we used to live, but now you live a different way. Now, the language is quite strong and and it might actually miss some of today's culture. So what does that look like for today to live the way that Paul has just described? You know, it's easy for us to look at the things that we do, the addictions that we have, the brokenness, the, the unforgiveness that we hold in our hearts, the sin that we commit with our hands and our feet, and we go out and we do the wrong thing and the things that we know that God has told us not to do. That is living the not God of this earth. And that's what Paul's saying is that the Gentiles were living the not God of the earth. But I think it goes further than that because too often we look at the things that we do and we don't look at the things that affect us in other ways that external factors because we have things that happen in our lives that cause depression and anxiety and brokenness and pain and grief. And the interesting thing about the things that we do and the things that happen to us is that they're not just one-off instances. It'd be so easy and it'd actually be so wonderful if the things that happened in our life only happened in that instance. But they actually cause lifelong scars and those labels stick with us for the rest of our lives. And today I want to show you what that might look like because when we actually have those things happen to us, we try to shrug them off or sweep them under the carpet. But the reality is every time a relationship fails, we become broken. Or maybe someone will tell us something bad about ourselves or that we're not good enough and we put that label on. Or maybe we've made a poor choice and we've given ourselves away and we see ourselves as dirty. Or maybe we have an addiction, whether it be to a substance or to pornography or anything that we know that God has not called us to. Or because maybe circumstance has caused us to have mental illness and we have depression or anxiety and we're mentally damaged. Or people in our life leave us and we feel lost and lonely. But most of these things cause an immense amount of hurt and pain. And the reason I put myself these on myself is because everything that happens in our life causes labels. And the reality is we put these labels on ourselves and we, you know, we walk according to what God, we feel God wants us to do. And we go to church and we pray and we read the Bible, but sometimes behind the scenes, we're carrying these labels and these labels aren't visible to everybody else, but they're very evident to ourselves. And that's not the life that God's called us to. You see, when I was younger, I was about 13 years old. And I remember one day about two o'clock in the morning, one night, two o'clock in the morning, my dad walks into my bedroom and says, Adam, I just wanted to remind you that you're a loser. You're a no hoper and you'll never amount to anything. 
And I remember that day I put that label on myself. I'm a loser. I'm a no-hoper. I'll never amount to anything. And that's the, the story of my life. That's what I took on as my character. That was who I was. Nearly three years ago, I got a phone call from my brother saying that my sister had passed away. And I was flung into anxiety like I've never experienced in my life. And then anxiety was a label I placed on myself. I wasn't Adam who had anxious thoughts. I was Adam who had anxiety. And that was my future. That was my forever. This was the new me. What are those things that have happened in your life or those things that you've done in life that have caused you to label yourself in a way that God wouldn't label you? And you put those labels on and hide them from everybody else because you're so ashamed of them. You know that's not how you should be, but they're there nonetheless. And sometimes in our mind, that's not just the label we put on right now, but that's our future forever. That's us. We will never change. But Paul doesn't finish by just slamming the Gentiles. He goes on in the next verse to give us some amazing hope. He says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. All the worries of the world, all the depression, all the anxiety, all the brokenness, all the addiction, all the pain. You know, it doesn't take much to, to see what's going on in the world today. You look at social media and you see all the news articles that come through. You turn on the night news and you can see all the pain and unrest and the, 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 the worries of the world all coming in. And you know what? It's very easy to, to go into this space of, man, we live in such a broken world. There is just, it's horrible. But it's not what we learned about Christ. That's not who he is. All those worries aren't Jesus. All those concerns, they're not Jesus. The depression and the anxiety, that's not Jesus. Your addiction is not Jesus. Your brokenness is not Jesus. And because it's not Jesus, it also doesn't have to be you because you can live in the character of Jesus because of what he's done. And the world is so different to Jesus. You see, where the world says there's depression, Jesus says there's joy. Where the world says there's anxiety, Jesus says there's peace. Where the world says brokenness, Jesus says wholeness. Where the world says pain, Jesus says healing. Where the world says unforgiveness and infidelity, Jesus says forgiveness and faithfulness. Where the world says addiction and racism, Jesus says freedom and unity. And where the world says abuse, Jesus says love. The world we live in and the things that drag us down and cause us to put labels on ourselves is not Jesus. And we as Christians don't have to live in that space. Culture might have told us who we're meant to be, but Jesus says something radically different. I'm reminded of the lady of, with the issue of blood. And in Luke 8, um, we see that story. And I'll quickly read it to you now. And there's some amazing things that happen in this. It says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out of me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, 
She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had immediately been healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know, this is a really culturally rich story. You see, this woman had the issue of blood and bleeding was an unclean thing in Jewish culture. You know, in fact, uh, the monthly flow of a woman would be see her unclean, not just for the time that she had the flow, but also for seven days after and until she'd had a ceremonial bath. So for, for basically half of a woman's life, she was unclean. This lady was unclean for over a decade And being unclean, she couldn't be with society. She was outcast to the skirts of town. She was not allowed to be with people or touch people, particularly men or rabbis. She was scum. She was downtrodden. She was marginalized, pushed to the edges of society. That's who culture told her she was. And to her, she could have easily put the labels on herself. I'm broken. I'm dirty. I have to be out on the outskirts. I'm lesser than everybody else. But in the time she saw Jesus, she recognized that she could get a new identity. And when she reached out and touched Jesus and told her the story, Jesus gave her exactly that. You see, the story starts with a woman. And a woman touched Jesus' garment. But when Jesus addresses her, he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. She's no longer labelled as lower than everybody else, unclean, dirty, filthy. She was family. She was a daughter. She'd gained a new identity. Now, when I look at the, the, the not God of the world and then I reflect on who Jesus is, that's someone who I want to follow. Don't you want to follow that person? You know, this wouldn't be a sermon from me if there wasn't a movie reference, but it does remind me of The Hobbit. There is a scene in The Hobbit where the the main dwarf, Thorin Oakenshield, is fighting an army of orcs. And after defeating them, one of his friends, Balin, looks at him and he's standing there with courage and authority and victory and leadership. And Balin says, there is one I could follow. When I look at the, the horrible things that happen in our world, the way that I've fallen short of God's glory and I look at my own personal labels that I've put on myself and I see Jesus who offers me new identity, who says, you know what, you don't have to live that way anymore. You are family, you are clean, you are whole, you are forgiven. How can we not say there is one I could follow? And Paul gives us further instruction. He says in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, I don't know about you, but if I read that, it's, man, that's a lot of work. How can I be like that? You know, I've got so much sin in my life and I'm definitely not perfect. It's not like the day I decided to make Jesus my Lord and Savior that I didn't sin anymore. There's still things I do wrong. How hard is it to to take off the old self and put on the new self, the new me, the new identity? That's really hard and it's going to take a lot of work. 
when I was younger, I used to play football for a team called Wesley Hill in central Victoria. And we had uh, the worst football ground out of all the teams. And we had the worst club rooms of all the teams. And every Saturday we'd go out and we'd play and our ground was pretty trashy. So we'd run around and we'd be caked in mud. We'd be sliding around and it would be absolutely disgusting to the point where we'd have mud caked into our football boots. All our socks would be just brown. We had a red um, football uniform, but by the end of the game, it was all brown. We had uh, mud under our fingernails, um, in my hair when I had it, uh, with mud just everywhere. And at the end of the game, we'd go into the club rooms and, and we'd listen to the coach as he debriefed some of the game. And uh, as I said, we didn't have a very good club room, so we didn't even have showers. So at the end of the game, we would stand up after our debrief and we would have the mud that would have dried to us. And we'd stand up and we'd, we'd go outside and our parents would be there waiting to take us home. And my mum would pack me and my brothers into the car and take us home. And the rule was after football that we were not allowed in the house until mum had cleared us to step inside the house. So I remember after every Saturday, we'd be out uh, on the, the front veranda and we'd be clacking our football boots together, trying to get the mud out. And we'd be, you know, stripping down to our underwear just to get all the, the mud off our clothes. And we'd be pulling it out of our hair and out of our arm hair and all that sort of stuff. And it would take us a good half hour just to actually be prepared enough that mum would let us inside the house. And when we got inside the house, then it was shower time. So one by one, we'd go and hit the showers and we'd start cleaning and we'd be scrubbing and, you know, you'd miss a part on your arm with some dirt and it would uh, pull all the hairs together. You have to scrub that for ages and then you have to work on your fingernails and then your toenails and get all the mud out of everywhere. And then as you got out, you'd dry your hair and you'd realize that the towel was turning brown and you didn't get it all out of your hair properly. So back in the shower, you went to clean it all out. And finally, you would be clean enough that you would say, you know what, I am no longer muddy. I'm no longer feeling the pressure of all this mud all over me. And I feel nice. You know, it's like when you go exercising for ages and you have a shower and you just feel really, really good about yourself. You're clean and you're nice. And when I think about putting on the new self, that's what I think about man, this is going to take a lot of work. This is going to take a lot of clacking my footy boots together and, you know, stripping on the veranda and making sure I wash under my fingernails for like 20 or 30 minutes and, you know, multiple trips in and out of the shower just to clean myself. Like this is a long process. Justification by faith is free and immediate, but sanctification, becoming more like Jesus every day, that's going to take time. Like, I don't know if I can do this. This is a, this is a big call that Paul's asking us to do, to put on the new nature. If that's what you're thinking as well, I've got some amazing news for you is that the work has already been done. That's not for you to do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the things that we do wrong in life, we don't have to fix. We do have to fix them. You know, if we use foul language, we fix that. If we have bitterness, we fix that. If we're holding unforgiveness or resentment in our hearts, we need to work on that. But the reality is, is that is not going to make God say, now I accept you. That's the process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. But we're talking about justification in putting on the new self. You see, Jesus has already done it. Yes, I have to do the work. But these labels, I can take them off today, right now. You see, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross. So I didn't have to do all the work to see myself approved by God. And now because I can put my faith in Jesus, all these labels can be gone because God 
sees Jesus in me. And now when I look at my new creation, which can be immediate, I can see that I'm a child of God. I can see that I'm set free. I can see that I'm valuable, that I'm healed, that I'm clean, and that I'm made perfect in Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean I never make mistakes, but it means the new nature I've put on is Jesus Christ. That when God looks at me, he doesn't see some muddy kid with football boots that are caked in mud. He sees me as he sees Jesus, fully white, fully clean, fully perfect, even though I'm not, but that's how he sees me because that's our new nature to be like Jesus Christ. He goes on, and this is a real slog, this next part that Paul goes into because he starts talking about all the things that we should give up and we definitely should. He says in Ephesians 4, 25 to 31, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good and hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that the words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Now, this is a great roadmap for the things that we are to achieve. We are to work on these things and become better at these things. But here's what I've learned over my time as being a Christian is that this is usually a barrier, a roadblock for people getting to know Jesus because they read verses like this and they struggle. I remember years ago, I was on the bus to Youth Alive in Melbourne when I was a kid. And I remember having conversations about God, which I had all the zeal for, but probably not the intellect for, um, and how to follow him. And I remember one guy saying, I'm not a Christian. I'm coming to Youth Alive because my friends are here, but I don't want to follow God. Following God is rules and regulations and all the things that I like to do, God hates to do. And he tells me to do all these things. And you know what? God just wants to restrict me. He wants to put me in a box. And that's not how I want to live my life. I want to be free. But you know what? These, these rules aren't here to restrict us. They're here to free us and to protect us. Because God's asked us to live a certain way and he knows that way is fulfilling. He knows that it's an abundant life to live like Jesus. He knows that it's free. And if we don't live that way, we aren't free Imagine like, you know, a time in your life where, where you have had an argument with somebody and it's been kind of nasty and, you, you know, when you come away from an argument, you feel guilt and you feel really down about yourself because, you know what, it's been a really gross conversation that you've just had and, you know, there's been hurt exchanged both ways and you know they're not feeling good and you're not feeling good. You don't feel free. And when you go to sleep, if you let the sun go down on that argument, it only builds. You don't feel free. But those times where you ring up that friend or you see that friend face to face and you say, hey, let's, let's make amends. I apologize for what I've done and they apologize for what they've done. That feeling right there, that relief 
of this relationship has been restored and it's right and I'm not carrying this baggage of guilt on me anymore, that's freedom. So all the things that we do in life that God's like, hey, don't do that, is not because he wants to restrict us, because he wants us to be free. But also he wants to protect us. Like a a parent who stops their child from, from touching a heater or walking out into traffic. You know, there are rules. Don't touch the heater. Don't walk out in the front yard to the road. They're not there to restrict someone from having a fun time on the road. They're to protect. So these things here, like the way that God said, don't do these things, is not to restrict us. It's to protect us and help us feel free and to be free as Jesus wants us to be free. And then finally, in Ephesians 4.32, Paul says this, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We are to take on the character of Christ. He forgave us, so we are to forgive others. But not only that, is that when we do that, we example the character of Jesus Some people will never open a Bible and you are the only Bible they're going to get. And the reality is, is that if we are exampling the character of Jesus, they can see Jesus. And earlier in this scripture, Paul says, it's like, it's not what you learned in Christ. Those bad things, and that's not Christ. If you're representing Jesus and you're living like Christ, that's how other people might learn about Christ. You are an ambassador for Jesus. So my homework for you, because Luke loves giving out homework and I want to get in on the action, is this. I want you to write a list of the labels that you've given yourself. Now, this isn't a list that I want you to put on the Follow Discipleship page or even email to anybody. You don't have to show anyone. This is just between you and God. Write down a list of the labels that you've given yourself or other people around you have given you that you're walking in. And then I want you to open the scriptures and I want you to find where in the Bible God says that about you. If you can find that answer, give it a tick. If you don't find anywhere in scripture where God says that about you, a label that you've given yourself, cross it off. And at the end, I want you to look at that list and remind yourself who God's called you to be. And as you look through, if there's new things that God says about you that you didn't realize or weren't even on your radar, add them to your list. Because too often we look at the the brokenness of the world and the brokenness of ourselves and we beat ourselves up and we're the worst. How can God love us? How can we be used by God? But that's not what God says. God says, look how healed you are. Look at what Jesus did for you. Now you can live like that. You're not broken you know what? There's depression and anxiety. You don't have to live there. You can step out of that. You can be free. I don't know about you, but when I look at Jesus and the freedom he gives, I can't help but worship him. I can't help but be thankful. And I would hope and pray that my life would example his so other people can get to know him as well. What an encouragement for us all that we are free from all of the world's pain and brokenness through Jesus. We have a new identity. That's family. We are sons and daughters of the King. That's all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for 
your word. I want to thank you that, that you give encouragement and correction through your word. But God, today that you've encouraged us, that even though we look at our own brokenness and the labels that people in our life have put on us, God, I love, I love hearing that you've given us a new identity that we're not, we're not known by those broken things, God. We're not known by the not God of the world, but we're known by you. And we're labelled by you as free, as sons and daughters. And God, anyone here today who is struggling with that concept of being in your family, I ask right now that you would be near to them, that you would touch their hearts and you would reveal yourself in new and fresh and exciting ways and encourage them. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.